Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor and I'm very excited about this week's guest. She's a creative consultant and writer based in Milan. Welcome to the show, Naomi Accardi. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, everyone. This is really exciting. I just discovered that Naomi is not an Arab and I feel very dumb. I don't know. And I'm just like, why did I, I 100% was like, oh, she's Arab. Like there was zero doubt in my mind. Yeah, well, um, that's the doubt that many people have, actually. And um, I don't know if it's because I've lived in the Middle East or my appearance, I guess, my physical appearance. Um, but many, many people think that. Actually, like even in Italy, people think I'm uh, Arab. So that's really interesting. That's so interesting. I'm like, okay, so I'm not alone in thinking this. Not at all. Not at all. I, I, um, I have to say, though, like, I, for half, I am Sicilian, and um, Sicily has, like, a big, big history um, overlapping with uh, Arabs, so um, maybe that's why somebody in my lineage might be uh, coming from that part of the world, so who knows? That's so interesting. I did not know about that. I'm like, now I kind of feel like I want to do a little deep dive on Sicily and, and see what Actually, that it's really interesting because a lot of uh Sicilian dialect words come from Arab um language so when oh, really? I yeah so when I first moved to um Dubai years ago now um I heard a friend of mine say at Miskeen and in Sicilian dialect you say to say poor thing you say Miskino so or Miskina because like the same feminine yes. Yeah, so like, oh, what, what, how, how do you know that? And um, it t- turns out that, you know, the, the word is coming from um, Arab language. Wait, that's so wild. Also, miskeen, I feel like is such like a random word. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's in a lot of languages, miskeen is used. Like I have friends that are from Somalia that they also mm-hmm. have the word miskeen in their vocabulary. And I'm like, it's just so interesting. It's like a random just like a random word. I'm like, I love that. It's so yeah. cool. And um, um, not to like be too historical here, but uh, there is like a, there, like my dad is my, or like my dad's side of the family and my dad, I mean, he was born and raised there. And I also kind of was raised there. I mean, my background is very random, but um, in Palermo, which is the city where my dad is from, um, there is a church that used to be a mosque, then became a, a, a church, then became a mosque again, then became a church again, and now it's a church. But um, <laughs> when you go there, it's like it has, you know, Arabic or Islamic um, decorations, and the, the domes are like the ones in the in Islamic um, architecture. So it's really interesting. And there's streets still with like names um, written in Arabic and Italian as well. And on the southern side of Sicily, which is the one that is closer to, I guess, uh, North Africa, um, a lot of the food is also of Arab origin. So there is like a place where I go um, on vacation usually since I was a little kid that is called San Vito Capo. And it's like, the the city that is known as the capital of couscous in italy and um yeah they have like every um september they have a couscous fest or a festival and they like put together all of the countries that have couscous on their cuisine and they have this huge like party i guess and like they have a contest of on like with people um different countries and they at the end of the contest they decide who's the best couscous I love that so much. And now I'm like, first of all, I've never been to Italy before, which is just fucked up that I've never been. But also I'm like, now I'm going to go on a couscous tour when I do get there. You must. Because it is cool though. Like I feel like there are so many different iterations of like, you know, dishes like couscous and like other dishes that in my mind growing up, I was like, oh, this is like an Arab dish or even be like, oh, this is a Palestinian dish. And then I grow up and yeah. I'm like, wait, it's, it's not, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's something else, but like, I'm just so used to like my mom making it. So there's like that mm-hmm. immediate association. But so you were born in Italy. Where were you born specifically? Yeah. So I was born in a really tiny, tiny, tiny town in the countryside in the North of Italy, um, which is like basically my mom's hometown. Um, then right after I was born, we moved to, uh, well, my parents were living like in a city not too far away because uh, my dad was playing football or soccer there. And um, and then from when I was 
zero basically right after I was born until when I was seven years old we moved city pretty much every year um from um Alessandria which is like this really tiny town and uh close to Turin then we moved to Regimilia then we went to Venice then we went to uh Indonesia actually for one year and then uh we moved back to Italy and uh we settled in Turin for one year and then uh my mom was like I've had enough of moving around so we're going back to um where I was originally from well my mom and um we my parents built their house here and like I grew up here up until when I was 18 then I moved to the states for college um but because my dad is from the south of Italy um we used to spend a lot of our uh time off school um in Sicily and with that side of the family as well and like you know I'm someone who also like moved around a lot as a Mm -hmm. child and like as an adult now, I feel like my ability to like adapt to new environments, like I just, I, I have like, that's like one of my strengths. Like, do you feel like you were able to like grow from that? Like, what was that experience like for you? Oh, I'm super thankful about that, to be honest. Like, I think it's one of the best privileges that my parents have given me, like to uh, be you know, to grow up in a in a very different way and like to be able to adapt to different places, especially like moving to Asia when I was like three years old, four years old, um, in a city like Jakarta, which is huge and, you know, like there was no one like speaking Italian or, you know, um um you know in the same the the building where we're living everybody was like from different countries in the world so it's given me like a more open-minded um uh, way of living I guess which is really great and definitely it's given me like the ability to adapt to different environments um and I've been honestly moving around (laughs) ever since I was 18 after that so um it's definitely like shaped me and my nomadic I guess way of life later in life as well so it has like had a huge influence on who I am as a adult no definitely I mean and it's so interesting that you lived in Indonesia because like that's something that you don't hear every day I lived in Malaysia for four years oh people that they're like wait what and I was like I moved around a lot for my mom's job and Mm -hmm. that's where she lived and I genuinely loved it so much. I feel like it helped me at a young age really appreciate different cultures and be like receptive to like learning other cultures. And like, I, at the time, obviously when you're a kid, you're not aware of any Mm -hmm. of these things. And then as I get older, I'm like, oh shit, like that was kind of cool. And also like, I'm really grateful. It is such a privilege to be able to do that because I feel like I'm a more well-rounded individual because of those experiences and because of moving around but so when you were 18 where did you move to I moved to Los Angeles um because I uh, applied for college there and I got accepted I went to a really horrible college to be honest I went to a (laughs) FIDM fashion institute of design and merchandising but it was like I wanted to study fashion and at the same time I wanted to move to LA I guess so that was my only way um out there um because in high school like Italian high school is pretty different from um, the US or any other place. Basically, when you are about to graduate elementary, you get to choose what kind of high school you want to go to. And I was interested in learning languages. So I went to high school for languages. And when I was um, in my first year, my freshman year, um, in the summer, I participated in one of these like exchange programs um, that send you to like a family in the summer. And I was placed in a family in Orange County. And um, they were really cool. I really loved them. So I ended up going there every summer. And then I was like, oh, I really like being here. So um, I want to go to college in the U.S. And my parents were nice enough to support me through this process. And so I moved to L.A. And um, I would say that's where I got my head start in the creative industry as well. Because, um, I mean, my college might not have been really the the best I could have chosen. But um, the environment I ended up being in was, like, super stimulating. And, like, everybody around me was either, like, pursuing a career in music or, you know, um, creative industries in general. So I really got to absorb that culture or that mindset from other my peers as well. And it's really cool because like 90% of the people that I was with there now, they have 
like a career in in music or you know um fashion or streetwear um and it's really cool to meet them now 10 years later and be like oh hey like we went from there to this and it's pretty cool no it's definitely wild and like i feel like i'm in my 30s so that's something that happens to me so like i have a friend who i hadn't seen since i was like 15 years old and like she lives in berlin now and she's doing all these cool things i'm like this is just so wild to me. Like we're all really out here doing things and yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's just such a cool thing to like be able to like witness and see people that like, you know, you started out with and you were just figuring things out. And um, you, you mentioned, you know, like going to LA and knowing that you wanted to work in like in fashion, did you always know that you wanted to work in like a creative field? Uh, well, I would say that like I had a lot of change of hearts growing up, especially as a teenager. Initially, like my very first job, ideal job that I was dreaming to be was film director. And then I never pursued that because I changed into like wanting to be a fashion designer and then a stylist. And then I changed that even. Um, but yeah, I guess, yes. I always wanted to work in a creative in the creative industry, I guess, but I never knew exactly what. And that is also reflected in my career because I changed jobs so many times. And I've I can say that I think that I've learned what I really am passionate about and what I'm I like doing, like maybe five years ago. So that was like well in like way into my my um, you know, job career. path. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the first job you had? Like, what was your first, like, intro to, like, working in, you know, being a real adult? Yeah. So, well, I had an internship. My my very first internship while I was in college was at Carlo Auto in L.A. Um, And that was, like, I tried to go there because I was, like, I learned. So I went to college because I thought I I wanted to be a stylist. And then, like, first week into school, everybody wanted to be a stylist. And I've always kind of been rebelling against, like, (laughs) conformity. And so I was, like, okay, I don't want to be a stylist. Let me try and, like, I'm I'm really good at talking. I'm really good at meeting people, networking, stuff like that. Maybe I should try a a career in PR. Um, And so I uh, applied for a job in Carla Auto or, like, for an internship. And I started working there and I was like after my six months I was like this is not for me like I'm a very transparent honest person like if you know like if I don't like something you'll see it on my face so PR is definitely not for me (laughs) um and so um after that I I uh well I graduated shortly after and I moved back to Europe and I didn't know what I wanted to do started looking for jobs and um I applied for a position as a assistant to a lady that was organizing events in Milan and so I was organizing events and um mostly like fashion stuff um but she also had like a night party on Friday night which I was also working at but that was kind of like a internship and it was like very hard work and um also there at the end of the day it was like not what I wanted to do and she was horrible like she was one of the most horrible like people I've ever met like she was like very crazy like she was like kind of devil worst brother type situation oh no yeah so like after a while I was like I cannot like uh take your abuse like she was like very verbally abusive to me and she was not paying me it was like just not what I wanted to do so um I was like okay you know what I'm quitting my job and then I start I, I was really desperate for a while because I could not find something that I liked and then finally after like a couple of months I had applied um for a job at Carhartt Working Progress which was always my favorite brand and they called me back for another job that was more suitable for who I was or my background um and I started working there um as a PR coordinator in uh their hq which was back then in weiler rhine which is a really tiny tiny town in the south of germany on the border with switzerland and so i moved there and i lived there for a while until then i changed job but that was i would say my like leaving aside the internship at carla auto and this lady that was organizing events i think that my very first like step into the world of adulting or like work um was my job at Carhartt uh work in progress that's a really cool first job I have to be honest with you I'm like working for Carhartt very very cool first job and I think that especially you know when it comes to working in fashion that's really an important part of it is like just kind of immersing yourself and then navigating and then deciding what you do like what you don't like because I feel like there are so many like 
kind of niche jobs within the fashion space. Like there are so many, like you'll hear a job title and I just like, what even is that? Like it sounds Mm -hmm. made up, but it's like, no, this is a very specific job for a very specific type of creative. And, you know, um, I get a lot of people asking me like, how do I get started in fashion? And it really, I do believe comes down to just getting your foot in the door and, you know, networking is such a vital part. And you mentioned that like, that was one of your strengths. Was that something that you were always like comfortable with? Because I'm a very chatty person and Mm -hmm. I can talk to people, but Mm -hmm. I was very, like, I felt weird and uncomfortable about it for a very long time. Like until I felt like I was ready to like, you know, use that skill. Was that you were just like ready to go from the jump? I think so like I've always been like very like uh how do you say like um forward I guess or like uh not shy and so I think that like that's like that trait of my personality has helped me massively because like even when I was not looking for a job or like I was just starting out or I was in college like I got myself surrounded I ended up being surrounded by people that then became like very important part of our pop culture nowadays and I can only attribute that to the fact that I was really good at you know making connections and um, getting to know people but at the same time one thing that I always say is like I don't necessarily like go and look for that network like unless like you know I want to get through somebody if I have a project that I want to do with somebody of course like I'm gonna be like purposefully like reaching out to them but I am not that kind of like social butterfly that is like oh I must know all these people I just was like very extroverted um all my life and I've always been like very um, open to experimenting. And so that's what like kind of led me, I guess, on this path of <laughs> discovery and like connections and like building this web of, you know, relationships that I've nurtured so far up until now. So after working for in in Germany at Carhartt, mm-hmm. where where was your next move? I'm like, I feel like I know you moved around. So I'm like, I need to know. Yeah. So <laughs> so basically, um, after Carhartt, um, the creative director of Carhartt decided to create a new brand, which then eventually became OAMC, um, which um, is a menswear brand that has nothing to do with Carhartt. It's like now has nothing to do with Carhartt. It's like very high end. And um, it was him and Luke Meyer, who's now the creative director of Jill Sander with his wife. And um, because they decided that obviously this brand was going to be like a high fashion brand and Carhartt has nothing to do with that. They were like, we're moving to Milan and they offered me a job, but the job turned out to be not what I expected it to be. So I had moved back to Milan um, for, I guess, after two years of living in Germany. And um, and I got this position, I guess, as initially it was supposed to do the same things I was doing Carhartt but then it turned out to be like I I basically opened the office and I was like everybody's assistant which is fine like I got to learn a lot obviously but it was not what I wanted to do or like what I was looking forward to doing so um I after like maybe seven eight months there I was like this is not for me I'm sorry I'm quitting my job once again and um and uh I ended up like very luckily um being called up for a position at Nike in the Milan office, which was uh, taking care of all Southern Europe. I was doing um, energy marketing, which is basically, well, now they call it Catalyst, but it's basically energy marketing for Nike back then was Nike Lab projects. So like all the, you know, special lifestyle kind of things. And uh, so I started working there and I was doing marketing and um but that didn't last long also like my 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 career is very choppy like one year there two years there six months here because um at four months into my job at nike i got a call from my well the old marketing director at Carhartt, who had now moved to adidas and um he was like hey naomi like um i moved to adidas and i am currently heading uh, originals for the emerging markets based in dubai we're opening up a new position that I think you'll be great for. Do you want to come? And I was like, that sounds amazing. I mean, I I was kind of like, Milan has always been kind of small for me. And I guess we'll get to talk about that later. But um, 
So after six months at, at Nike, I was like, I got a new job. I'm sorry. I am moving. And I moved to Dubai. And I got to work with Adidas for two years where I was heading their brand activation uh, office. Well, it was just me, really. So the brand activation department for Adidas Originals in um, based in Dubai and for all emerging markets. So, like, moving to Dubai is, like, I would say, like, a pretty big move. Oh, it was huge. Like, honestly, like, it was I nothing like I expected it to be. Yeah, like, I mean, I I also lived there for four mm-hmm. years. And so, like, I, but I was, I was, like, in high school when I lived there. So, okay. I'm sure, very different experiences. Mm-hmm. But did you experience, like, culture shock at all? Or really? yeah. yeah. So, I had never been, well, I had been to Qatar with my dad, like, when I was 15 years old, but on vacation. Well, not even, like, he was, he was there for business. My mom was away, so I couldn't stay home alone. And he just brought me with him. And obviously, like... I knew that it was hot in the Middle East, but I didn't really know anything else. Um, and when I moved there, it was like just a whole different new world. Obviously, like I've, I've, I know a lot of diverse people coming from like an Arab background, Muslim background. But when you go into a country that has a whole different culture from where you're from, um, it's like completely different. So like even adjusting to the different um, weekend days, um, yeah. that was like really interesting because it's like, oh, it's Sunday and I'm going to work while everybody that I know back home is actually sleeping or doing whatever, like recovering from their Saturday night. So that was like really interesting. And then obviously also like, you know, getting to understand how to work with people that have a totally different background, like Ramadan, yeah. um, you know, adjusting to all of that. Like it was definitely a big culture shock, even if like I had, yeah. a, you know, I already had lived in a, in a Muslim country because Indonesia was Muslim, but yeah. it wasn't the same kind of, you know, yes. like immersive experience. And I was also very little, so it was different, but um yeah, so it was like super different, and I'm super thankful to have done this move because made this move because it's opened my my brain or like my head towards like a side of the world or a culture that I thought I knew, but I literally knew nothing about like up until when I was there, and it also gave me a better perspective on like the Middle East at large. Like I was lucky enough to be able to travel to Lebanon, which was never on my radar before. And, you know, um, Saudi Arabia, all these kind of countries. So it was a huge, huge difference from where I was coming from. But it was, I am really grateful that I had the opportunity to do this, even if I would say that Dubai was not my cup of tea after a while. But, you know, um, I think it's a place that either you love or you hate, or, you know, um, it takes a really specific kind of person to um, stay in Dubai, I think. Uh, Anyone who's ever listened to my podcast knows that I have a just (laughs) deep hatred and disdain for the United Arab Emirates, like truly from the bottom of my heart. I'm not a fan. I'm not, I I, like you cannot keep anything to myself. My feelings, if it's not showing on my face, it's coming out of my mouth. Um, And I feel like I'm like, I live there. So I feel comfortable Sarah, like, you know, sharing this, but I do think that they have a really rich, beautiful culture. And that's something that Mm -hmm. I definitely appreciated living there. But you know, even for me, like I'm Arab, I'm Muslim, yeah. I went there, I experienced more culture shock than I've ever experienced in my mm-hmm. life. Like, the first day I got there, like you see like pictures of their like sheikh, you know, everywhere, these big yeah. pictures. I'm like, who's that guy? And yeah. where are there giant pictures of him everywhere? And like, you know, going into the mall and everyone is wearing like, uh, buy, yeah. like it's like a yeah. uniform. It's literally yeah. like they're all wearing a uniform. And I'm like, what is going on? But Again, for me, like at that time, that just made me want to like lean into my own personal style mm-hmm. even more because I was like, there was this lack of identity because to me, like what you wear and your identity, like I, I feel like there's there's a pretty deep tie for me. And I guess that is their identity is through their clothing. That's their culture, yeah. which at the time, like I couldn't really wrap my head around it. And I was just like, why would you want to wear the same thing as everyone else? Like, I don't understand. Like, why would you want to do that? But that is their culture and they love it and they feel like they're representing it, which now I can, you know, totally get. But it was, it was definitely a lot. It definitely, I did not expect for it to be as hot as it was. Um, Everything shuts down during the afternoon because Mm -hmm. it's so hot, which is a whole other crazy thing that I'm like, I, I do like that. And I do think other 
places should adopt that. If it's hot, we should all go to, inside of our homes. Exactly. Like, if it's um, that hot, we're inside. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, like honestly, like looking back, I'm always like, oh, if they couldn't pay me enough now to move to Dubai. But um, looking back, I'm really grateful that I got to experience this city and um, everything that came with it. I mean, because I was working with um, other like emerging markets, you know, um, I was taking care also of India, um, South Africa. I got to work with like a very diverse pool of people. And like, even if I lived in LA, which is like a pretty diverse and like multicultural place, I've never met as many different ethnicities and nationalities as I have in Dubai, which is great. And like, I honestly loved it. And it was like one thing that uh, it's really bad to say, but um that um i i got i really appreciated i uh got to one of my best friends in dubai is a guy that was well his parents are from bangladesh and before that like for me bangladesh pakistan they 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 were the same kind of you know like yeah. geographic point and um Thanks to my life in Dubai, I got to learn much more about all of these different cultures, how like the, these different ethnicities and, you know, nationalities um, work. And um, I guess I got out of that ignorance that I had about that side of the world, which probably I would have never had the chance to, you know, kind of change or um, get rid of if I never lived there. So for me, like I what I came back from um Dubai with was like an extended knowledge about like a side of the world that I had no idea about and it was also kind of like pretty ignorant and like yeah um you know unaware of and um and like a better understanding of also the Muslim world and that side of that Muslim world you know because like obviously like every Arab country has like a very different identity but you know it was like really really interesting to live there and get to experience that no definitely and I'm interested in knowing like have you always had an appreciation for your own heritage like being Italian like was that something that you always felt like very connected to (laughs) so um it's a it's a really good question because like being an Italian it's like we are like uh, very nationalistic I think because like a lot of the cultural things um like there is a lot of culture here obviously like every region every city even is very diverse from one another but um because Italy is so different and I grew up like pretty much everywhere and my mom is from a side of Italy and my dad is from an island um and those different identities are very like well, now not so much anymore, but they were like clashing a lot. So like the north of Italy for a really long time was very uh, discriminatory against the south of Italy because these people were coming from a poor background, whatever. Like the south of Italy has been like very um, left behind by the government once Italy unified. And so for me, growing up in mostly in the north and the ha- but you know, being basically for me, like being having a mom from the north and having a dad from the south of Italy is like being of mixed ethnicities. So when I was growing up and I wasn't as much in the Sicilian environment as much as I was in my northern Italian heritage, I didn't really like understand or like uh, didn't really like also um, take like appropriate myself of that, um, you know, um, heritage. But now that I've grown up and I got to understand more like that side of my life and um, also understand more of myself um, through that lens, um, I definitely have become more accustomed to my identity and um, appreciating both sides because like both of them are very different. But as a as a whole, like Italian, I am very Italian, like in the sense that um, whenever pe- like I fight for food, like <laughs> I have a lot of arguments about that. Like I um, I'm really proud of like my background, and um, I even if like I know that my country is full of difficulties and like a lot of you know governmental issues and you know things that are not working and uh, people can be very uh, close-minded at times um, the um, 
I love where I'm from and yeah. I would never change it for anything else. And I know that maybe I will have to, you know, be go work abroad or like do things abroad because of where I'm from. It's like has a does not have as much as many opportunities as I can find in the US or like, you know, in the UK or whatever. Um, I am really um, happy of being born an Italian, to be honest. And especially I'm even more happy to be born with like a half Sicilian side of the family and like I'm half Sicilian like I am proudly uh claiming that identity because that side of this country has so much history and it's so rich in culture that is much more interesting than the north of Italy sometimes <laughs> and um and I'm, I'm really happy that I had the chance to um grow accustomed or like get to know more of that side of my story and I wish you know I got to spend more time unfortunately my grandma my paternal grandma died uh, in 2020 and I was not able to go and uh, go to a funeral or see her because of COVID obviously and um, now I regret that I didn't spend as much time as I could with her to learn about you know her story but thankfully my dad is a very uh, good proud Sicilian so he, he teaches me a lot nowadays um but yeah to answer your question long story short sorry for this no I'm like this is so interesting yeah um I am I've always like really felt uh proud of my identity I guess as an Italian then like obviously which is an Italian trait as well I always complain about everything that is going on in this country but (laughs) I get to walk outside and you know if I want to in one hour I can go to like beautiful seaside or to beautiful mountain um site or go walk in a amazing like art city you know cult, rich in culture and like history one thing that made me really laugh when i moved to dubai like one day our, our old office for adidas was in Dara, and um there was this monument if so we want to call it um close to my office and one day a friend of mine this a uh, guy that was my best friend or like I still consider him like one of my closest friends he c- came and picked me up after work and he was like we're like doing a we were in a roundabout where this monument was and he was like oh my god this monument is so old and I was like okay how old like how can this be because Dubai is not that old and he was like yeah. 25 years old and I was like 25 that's not old yes I was like that's not old what the hell so um yeah, that was really funny, especially coming from a town, like from a country where, you know, you go to Rome and you yes. have like the Rome, the Colosseum. So it's like this has been standing up since forever. Yeah. And um, yeah, so. Yes, 25 years, I got to say, would not be impressed, would not consider to be <laughs> any type of historical monument. I would be like, exactly. cool, I'm, I'm older than this. So exactly. exactly. I was also older than that. So I was like, OK, what do you mean? Because yeah. like, I <laughs> No, that's so funny, though. But yeah, I mean, everything is relative, though. And I think that that also ties back into like, being exposed to culture or being from a country that has, you know, a long history and, and all of that is like, you know, your perspective on what would be considered to be like a historical monument is going to be very, (laughs) very different from like, you know, a country that's still relatively kind of like a baby country, like, you know, Um, and I... So you so you moved to Dubai. You lived there for two years. Where did you go after? Next. Yeah. So um, that so Adidas like always um, all these big corporations had a reorganizational restructuring or whatever, and um, they basically offered me to move into a different team. But I was specifically there. I was happy to be in the team that I was with this guy that called me. So I was like, I don't want this job. So like after a couple of interviews and stuff like that, they were like, okay, like they started firing everybody. And then when it came to my turn, they was like, either you take this job or today's your last day. And I was like, I've, I'm going to go. Thank you. Like I, this is my last day. So I had to pack all of my stuff. And actually they were really nice because they extended your visa if you wanted to stay. Like they paid us like quite a lot of money so that's why I was like okay you know what I don't want to be in that team but I'm gonna take this nice uh, severance pack and go back to Italy but I didn't um, necessarily initially want to stay in Italy but then I started getting like opportunities uh, for working as a freelance consultant or freelance creative whatever and I was starting to um, focus concentrating more on my writing and so I ended up staying in Milan even if that was not my initial plan. 
and um and yeah so I've been in Milan ever since now (laughs) so you wait so when was this this was uh 2018 okay so you've been in Milan since 2018 and you said that you started doing a lot more freelance and Mm -hmm. Is that something that you realized you enjoyed? Because I'm freelance. I love it. I need, I like having new different things all the time, but I feel like for a lot of people, freelance is actually like, it feels like it's stressful to them. Yeah. So after like working for two big corporations, I was like, okay, this was fun, but it's not for me because I like to be free and uh, take care of my time as, as I want. And like, also I, in those, all of those, job changes and um different countries and like different things that I've done um I got to learn about the things that I really like doing and um the side of communication that I really like was storytelling so you know um when I moved back and I had no job in perspective I did not know what I wanted to do I was like do I want to stay here do I not want to stay here I was like okay you know what like while I was working there like I was really good at um storytelling or like creating you know, the tonal voice of brands and projects and stuff like that. And I really like writing. So I'm gonna, you know, take this time now to like really uh, go back to the drawing board and like understanding what take all the things that I learned that I really love and take all the things that I don't like, and you know, put them on perspective, put them on a on a whiteboard and be like, and decide what I want to do with my life. So I ended up, um, you know, picking up odd jobs here and there as like um, creative director, if so you want to call it. I, I wouldn't call it creative, creative producer more. There you go. Um, for campaigns, um, for fashion brands. And in the meanwhile, I was building my writing portfolio. And initially, um, and I, I had a, a short stint at freelancing before I went to Nike between my car, well, my OMC job and my car and my Nike job. So I was already kind of like knowing what that was like, but I was too young and I did not have enough professional experience back then to know what that was like at all, really. So when I, I was faced with the, with the opportunity to freelance again, I was like, okay, you know what? Like, this is going to be a struggle because I'm going to have to hustle more. I'm going to have to like, uh, learn like how to price my, my services, how to get jobs and all this kind of stuff. Um, so that's the cons, but on the other side, I'm going to get to work on the things that I want to work without having to be obliged to do it. I am going to get to use my time as I like and I can, you know, try different things. So I did not know if I liked freelancing, but then I learned that I really loved it and I was never going to go back into an office in that, you know, uh, capacity again in my life. And um, I haven't. So um, it's been a really good ride so far. And that's the thing that I love the most about freelance. Number one, I'm too much of an asshole to have any type of like, <laughs> you know, superior figure who's like dictating Absolutely. or micromanaging what I do. And I think that's also very common if you are more of a creative person. It's like having someone box you in in that way, I feel like takes away the element of what you actually love about being Absolutely. in the creative and and it turns something that you really love into something that feels very tedious and very uninspired and I also think that it does give you the space to really like decide what you really ultimately want to do right and like you mentioned you're like I feel like I was still figuring out what mm-hmm. I wanted to do up until 5 years ago and I think that's another yeah. really common thing because there are so many different things you can do within, you know, the fashion space. And even for me, like I find myself like vacillating, like, okay, I definitely want to do this. And it's like, no, I actually really like doing this and finding a way to incorporate all of the things I love into kind of one, I guess, job or whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you're going to wear so many hats. If you're freelance, you're going to do so many things. And it's, you know, again, it's really all about perspective. Like, I don't think it's stressful. I think it's fun and different and exciting. And I love being able to like use different parts of my mind for different tasks. And I, I really think that it lends that space to like, really create a future for yourself that is like sustainable, and you won't be miserable. Because I also Mm -hmm. think there is like this idea, like my mom's generation, and even 
after my mom's generation of like work is not supposed to be like enjoyable like yeah <laughs> hard like and and work is hard but yeah. you should try to find something that you yeah like and don't feel miserable and hate yourself every day yeah. um and I think that I'm very lucky that I'm like I'm glad that I'm like in the field that I'm in because I get to do things that I like and then turn down things that I don't want to do and have that be very much my decision at the end of the day and it's it's very I don't know I'm like this is I'm really lucky like not everyone can do that and I don't know yeah Yeah. office jobs no (laughs) no 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 no. yeah (laughs) it's too much and um I remember like it was so funny because when I was working in Adidas for example um they put you in this um review like a mid-year review and yearly review and they tell you like your manager tells you like oh you've succeeded in all these points but you you know you have to improve in this or that or like they even ask you like what do you want to improve at and like for me it was like I always excelled at everything but people would be like which is really funny they were like you're not um sociable enough and I was like what do you mean and it was because people like I was going to the office to do my job, you know, I was putting my headphones in and I was doing what I had to do. Meanwhile, everybody else was like taking one hour to like mingle in the morning. And I was like, I did not come here to mingle. I came here to work, do my job. And I have a lot of things to do. So I said, I, because I don't want to be here until 9 p.m. tonight, like when I arrive in the office, I'm going to be in my computer doing the things that I want. And so that was always the feedback that I was getting, which for me was like, I can't believe people are telling me this because I'm like a really chatty, extroverted person. And like, I'm open to talk whenever you want to talk, but I don't just have time to come and, you know, spend an hour having coffee with people because this is not what I'm here for. So definitely that's not something that I miss about the office, um, you know, aspect, aspect, because it's like people expect you to have to, you know, have a relationship with everybody that's in your office. And like they, if you don't, uh, if you take your job, well, not more seriously, I guess, but if you will go there just to do your job, then they give you this kind of review. But thankfully now I only can go and have coffees with people that I actually want to go and have coffees with. So that's, that's really great. And also I don't want to go to office to have coffee with my coworkers. I want to go and have coffee and just not think about work, you know? So um yeah I mean there is so many office dynamics that I definitely don't miss um and I was pretty lucky because it's not like I had to like you know um how do you say like uh, check in or whatever check out in my office but um yeah now it's like I can do whatever like in the morning I have this ritual where it's like in the like my morning is sacred like I wake up and I do all these things before I start working and I always say I'm not gonna start working until 10 and then um when it's six or five or whatever, I'm just like, you know what, that's it. I'm closing my computer. There's nothing that is, you know, so urgent that needs uh, me to do it tonight. So I'm going to go and have a drink or like meet my friends or, you know, read a book or watch a movie, which before it was more like you had more of this pressure to have to, you know, um, deliver on time and all this kind of stuff. And I'm a very precise person. So like I work better like I if I have a de- like a deadline I will definitely meet that but I also know that I'm not doing a job that is going to save lives so like nobody's like running after me you know no you're <laughs> so. right like that's what I'm saying sometimes listen I'm great with deadlines one thing about me yeah. I've never missed a deadline I'm <laughs> annoying as fuck but yes the the whole like this this isn't it's not that serious. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, we're yeah. not, we're not, you know, solving, you know, world hunger. Like, it's important in its own way. But yeah. sometimes people are very intense about it. And I'm like, what is your life? Like, what, yeah. like, have you just been so sheltered that you really think that this is like life or death? Like, you know, we're, it's, it's definitely, I think, also telling about the types of things that people have experienced or been through through their lens in which they view like fashion. Like I love fashion. I've always loved fashion, but I'm like, yeah. it's, it's something to enjoy. It's, it's beautiful. Absolutely. It's a, yeah. it's amazing. It's a creative outlet for people. It's something that, you know, makes you feel something, but, but it's not, we're not out yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's funny. Cause like now, like I, I've thankfully kind of, 
well, not thankfully, but I mean, <laughs> I've kind of gotten out of the fashion industry in a way. I only work with one brand, which is my friend's brand. So it's like, okay. But like, even when, um, let's say there is a fashion week and we have to organize a, a, a fashion show and like the night before everybody's like, so, you know, stressed and oh my God, this is going to go bad. And like, I'm just like, chill. Like nobody is going to realize tomorrow if something like somebody's missing a shoe or like if we have a different pair of shoes or like a different pair of t-shirt that we're supposed to have. Like they're just going to look at the stuff for 10 minutes, you know, hop on the car and go to the next show. So like relax. It's it's not nothing is going to like go that bad that you have to stress. Which so is much. a healthy, I think that's a healthy mindset to have because I think life is hard as it is. Why are we creating stress where it's yeah. just simply not necessary? It's not beneficial. Um, I also don't feel like I perform better under immense stress. No. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I'll joke that sometimes when I procrastinate, I do mm-hmm. perform better, but that's different. Yeah. It's Cause I'm, I'm not like, oh my God, if I don't do this, I'm going to die. It's just like, oh. But there's a science behind that, you know? Like behind procrastination, yeah, there's a science. Basically, um, our brain is basically set up that the more time we have to achieve a task or to complete a task, the more we're going to take to make, to do it. So basically, if you have a deadline that is in two months, but you know that and you have to do a job that takes two hours, you're going to do it at the end of those two months instead of saying okay i'm gonna do it now put it archive it and let's it move forward or like you know you're gonna do a little bit now and then a little bit then and like it's not laziness but it's more like that's just how our brain is set up yeah no a thousand percent yeah it's it's crazy so like for me too like if i know that i have a hard deadline then it's like okay now i know that i have a week to do it i'm gonna take a week or like even less and i'm gonna do it but the more the longer the deadline is the worse it is Oh, one, a million percent. Like anytime I, cause I work with brands, like it's mm-hmm. either like a one-time partnership or yeah. a long-term partnership. I love a long-term partnership. Cause then I get to like really connect and build a relationship mm-hmm. with the brand, which is really cool. But then there is the aspect of, okay, this is due in one month. This is due in two months. This is due in three <laughs> months. And then I just find myself waiting until like the day that it's due. <laughs> and then I have to wake up like ass early in the morning. And I'm like, why how did this happen like why would I do this to myself but I guess I can't I can't fight with science it's just science and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to argue with science (laughs) I I am I believe in science and I I appreciate it but you mentioned that you have like a a morning routine I'm a very routine based Uh person I love a routine Mm -hmm. do you mind sharing what your morning routine is yeah people think I'm crazy because I wake up super early so I wake up now I'm starting to wake up at 6 a.m. Before I used to wake up at 5.30 <laughs> um, because I just love the morning. Nobody's there to like break your balls, basically. And um, I spend like, something I'm trying not to do, but like I spend the first 15 minutes of my morning on my phone, which is really bad. But like I check all of my you know, social media accounts and my email, which is really bad. But and I'm trying to avoid that but then I get up you know brush my teeth do all that kind of stuff do like a quick workout then um take a shower make my breakfast and I usually have a cup of coffee with oat milk even though I don't like oat milk but that's what I have to do wait why Uh, are you making it with oat milk if you don't like oat milk because I don't want to drink regular milk but it's like oat milk is like the best out of all those like vegetable milks you know okay yeah um and um I have while I'm having my coffee and pastry or whatever, I read a book or articles and then I spend the next let's say this takes one hour and then I get dressed and then um I either go have another coffee at the coffee shops on the street, um, or um try to meditate. Uh, but I'm not being really good at that recently, but usually like my, something that I cannot, like if I don't do this, like my day is going to be horrible is waking up at five, six now, um, getting up, brushing my teeth, having my coffee while I'm reading. Um, and, uh, sorry, my workout, having my coffee while I'm reading and then getting ready to go and go out. And usually like if I, 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 bike everywhere in Milan so like if I have to go somewhere and up in and meet somebody or like drop by the office um of the brand that I work with 
Um, I take my bike and I, I usually take the longer route just because I like biking. And so that's what I do every day. And if I don't do this, my day is actually pretty bad. Like if I don't wake up at that time and like read and do my workout and do stuff like that, I just feel like everything like is crumbling in my life during the day. And it's like, well, I feel so anxious, but, um, yeah, so that's my routine. No. And I think. I'm I'm super biased because I love mm-hmm. my morning routine. I'm like, I think that that's a smart thing to do. I, I feel like it sets your day up and it's there. You can't control, you know, all these like external factors and things that are going to happen throughout the day. And someone is responding late or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you need to do throughout the workday. But in the morning, it's like, I know that I can wake up. I can brush my teeth, wash my mm-hmm. face, make my coffee. I make it with oat milk as well, but I do love oat milk. It froths. <laughs> okay. I won't have a cold coffee in the morning. Hot coffee. Yeah. I have yeah, to have same. a hot coffee. And yeah. I just don't think any other milk tastes good, like a, yeah, a plant-based true. milk when it's frothed yeah. other than oat milk. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, I need that. And if I have to be somewhere early in the morning, even if I'm going to meet someone for a coffee, mm-hmm. I will wake up with enough time to still have that morning. Same. Yeah. Because- I almost feel like it's, I'm decompressing, which is an interesting, Mm -hmm. weird thing that you would need to do because you just woke up. But it's like having time to myself, having Mm -hmm. just like a minute to like prepare my brain for the day. I don't know. And it's like, I will say you're, you're enriching your brain with like reading and articles. I, Mm -hmm. I do scroll through TikTok, but you know, it's a a new type of, yeah, you know, information. Hey, sometimes you learn things and they're completely made up. And that's what TikTok yeah. is all about. It's like, I, I just text my friend who's a doctor and I'm like, do I have autism? Do I like literally just, she's like, stop watching TikTok. Like, I literally hate you. Please stop doing this. And I'm just like, I'm just checking. I'm just wondering. You're a medical professional and I need your opinion. But um, you also uh, have a newsletter called Things I Thought I About, which. Yeah. Great title, 10 out of 10 title. Um, Thank you. When did you start this newsletter? And was it something that you had been wanting to do for a while? Like, talk me through it. So um, I started it last November. Um, I did not want to do it for a long time. I mean, the thing is, I started it to keep myself accountable to write something every week. Because I am a writer, but I also... I mean, being a freelance writer is not as easy as it sounds. Like, you don't get as much work unless, like, you're constantly, you know, pitching stuff. And I hate pitching. So it's like, you know, I <laughs> I get to write uh, much more now. But before, it was like, maybe, like, I would get a month where I had, like, to write 10 pieces. One month, I get to write nothing. So because... I wanted to challenge myself to like keep myself accountable to writing every week um, and it more times like more than one time a week. Um, I was like two years ago, I tried to start like a, a blog kind of platform, but because it was me, like I only it was only me that knew that I had this platform. Basically, I it was not like public facing enough to keep me accountable for that. So like after three blog posts or whatever, like I quit. And so when I got to know Substack, and I was really encouraged by my uh, boyfriend um, to start it because like he was he's like my my accountability partner, and it was like, oh, start this, like you you will enjoy it. And I was like, oh no, nobody's gonna read my stuff, whatever. But um, I finally decided to do it, and uh, I called it things I thought about because ten years ago when I was a young twenty year, no, not even like after like nineteen year old, I. Um, used to be famous quote-unquote amongst my friends because I had a really like honest mind and like I used to have a Twitter where I was just tweeting everything that I thought about and so and I was going on rent and I was like just being like you know out of like no we have an expression in Italy where we say you have no uh hair on your tongue which like basically uh you just say everything that comes up to your mind and so for a really long time obviously I matured after I deleted my Twitter I became like a person that channels her emotions and her things like in writing or like in a more uh intelligent way or rational way and um and so I was like oh you know what maybe this starting a newsletter will help me outlet what I'm thinking 
when I don't have a platform to write it on. So I was like, okay, I have, I always have a lot of opinions. I always think about a lot of stuff, but I don't want to just, you know, spew it on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever. And like, there was a period where I was always like making videos where I was always like mad or upset or something, or like critiquing something on Instagram. And people loved it, but I was always like, okay, it's time for me not to do this anymore. And so um, Substack or like newsletter, like proved to be the perfect uh, place where to do that. Because now when I have a pod and like, I'm just making a note, I know how, that I can actually, you know, corroborate a story around it. I can, you know, build a thesis and argument and everything. And I can explain to people why I'm thinking this kind of stuff. And um, they can agree, they can disagree. But um, it's a great burning exercise. It's a great tool to channel my emotions or like my thoughts. And um, I, so it's a win-win. And so I, when I started it, I was like, oh my God, like this is so daunting because it's like, it's going to feel like a job, which I never want my writing to feel like a job because I said that I was going to publish it every Wednesday at the same time. But then at the end of the day, it actually just turned out to be a very positive exercise for me because again, like I got to have a place where to write some of my thoughts or like some things that I wanted to talk about, but did not have the right magazine or media to write on. And um, I got to exercise my writing every Saturday. That's my Saturday routine. And then I publish it on Wednesdays. And uh, I've been doing that since November 26th. Uh, 2021 and I've only skipped a week so far so I'm really proud of myself because before um, when I had started this exercise in another platform I it took me three <laughs> articles to then stop completely and uh, now I haven't so um, yeah that's kind of like the story behind it and I don't know where it's gonna go like because I my writing or like what I usually write about or the platforms that I work with are very kind of specific because I mostly write about football culture or sports and culture. Um, this was a place where I could just write about anything that came that, that I wanted to discuss or like write about and um, having no editorial, you know, direction, I could just make up my own. And that's the kind of space that I wanted to build. And uh, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know how long it's going to go for. Um, but for now it's it's been pretty good and people and i guess like because uh you know because i'm very descriptive what i wanted was to also give people like a good reading um essay for when they are having breakfast or lunch depending on their um, time zone uh on wednesdays uh, i really everything you're saying first of all i'm mm -hmm. So those of you who are listening might not know this. I met Naomi through a mutual friend recently this year. I've heard little bits and pieces about you here and there. But as you're speaking, I'm like, I am I love you. Like literally everything you're saying, I'm like, also, we're very weirdly similar. And it's kind of creeping me out because I love to complain about things. I also had a Twitter account. I would say every thought that crossed my mind. And I deleted that Twitter account yeah. because... I, I literally deleted the whole account because I was like, this can't exist. This yeah, is yeah, not okay. Okay. Why, why was I saying these things? Who told me this was okay? But everyone was like, you're yes. so funny. And I was like, yeah, exactly. you're trying to sabotage uh -huh. me. Why exactly. are you trying to sabotage me? And then, you know, creating this podcast almost three mm -hmm. years ago now, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, Amazing. I didn't know what direction I wanted to go. And I just mm -hmm. knew that I wanted a space to share my all of the thoughts and opinions I have mm -hmm. so many and then speak to people who also have thoughts and opinions that are interesting mm -hmm. and almost like a more refined form of my rants because I'll exactly. still I'll still <laughs> do a video rant every now and then don't get me wrong some if I'm really angry and I'm feeling a little spicy a little funny I'm like no I'll do a little video but I used to do them all the time and people like them and they were entertaining but I also feel like in a way it felt negative Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, I was just totally. like, it, yes, it's there's an element of humor to it. And maybe people are thinking about something that they may not have thought about pre yeah. like prior, but it, it almost felt negative. And I was like, I don't want to put something negative out. I want to find Absolutely. a way to make it, I don't know, beneficial in whatever way, or at least enjoyable, pleasant, positive, like just something more than just me complaining, which I do love to do. And I now have learned from you, it's an Italian trait to have. So I feel very Italian. Um, yeah. I fucking love complaining. Like, <laughs> I like to say that I complain for sport. Like, I don't mm -hmm. complain about things that I'm actually upset about. I complain about things that are 
very trivial, very small, but yeah. I like to just make it into like a whole fun experience for everyone to be forced to listen to. Um, mm-hmm. But I also really quickly before we wrap, because mm-hmm. I was, you know, stalking you online, doing my research and you're yes. very passionate about soccer. I know you mentioned that your dad yeah. played yeah. soccer. So is soccer something that's like very like much a part of your life? Uh-huh. Yeah, so basically I have all the stereotypes of the Italian person that one can have, you know, I am very hairy, I come from a, to- a soccer background, I have a Sicilian dad that um, fits all the stereotypes, and um, I fight for food, so um, basically my dad was a football player, soccer player, uh, professionally, and um, actually growing up I did not care about football, actually I was pretty, like, against it, and, um, well, I just... I was just like, this is too much. I don't care for it. And I played basketball growing up. And then, um, let's say, 10 years ago, um, because I did not really grow up with my dad because it was always a way for playing, you know, like that kind of lifestyle is very demanding. Um, I did not have the chance to really, you know, have a, a close relationship with my dad. But when I grew up 10 years ago, um, well, not even 10 years ago, eight years ago, let's say, um, a friend of mine who was working for a football magazine um, hit me up and it was like, yeah, like we're doing an issue on the, when the world cup was in Italy, I know that you have contacts. Can you like do something? And I had never like written professionally. Um, and he was like, uh, I, and so I hit up my dad. I was like, dad, listen, they asked me for this. Can you please help me find someone? And my dad, when he was little, he used to play with, the guy that was the, the star of those um, that, of that World Cup. And so he linked me with him and I interviewed him for this magazine. And then from there, I was like, oh, actually, like there is like a really like a full world of like football culture that um, or soccer culture that is really interesting and is going to help me like rekindle my relationship with my dad or like get us closer. And so I started my journey as like a football uh, expert, I guess, football ex- culture expert, because I don't know that much of what goes on on the pitch, but everything that goes all around it. Um, so funny. You're like, I don't know what's happening during the game, yeah. but I know <laughs> the culture. Exactly. So usually when I go to the stadium, it's like I look at what's happening on the bleachers or like around the fans because it's like it's very interesting, a lot of energy. And um, and so, yeah, so I obviously I was very more advanced than most people because I grew up in an environment that was like soccer forward. Um, but I didn't take it into account as a, one of my interests until much later in life. I would say like I was 23, 24. And, um, and then from there, from that first article that I got to write, um, professionally, I started the journey in football, um, culture. And, um, and now, like, I would say that I'm an expert. <laughs> I mean, especially when it comes to merging the football, um, and fashion. So that's one of my, like, the intersection between the, these two things that, like, seem so different, but actually they collide pretty often, especially nowadays, um, is my, um, focus I would say my expertise that's honestly really cool and also really special that it brought you closer with your dad like I'm like that's beautiful like and then also discovering that okay this is something that I'm actually really interested in and I the things that I love I love very passionately and I love discovering new things to kind of be obsessed with so I'm like that's also really fun like at the age of 24 like oh no this is something that I'm very interested in and like having that be like a new thing to like I don't want to say fixate because that feels Mm -hmm. negative but kind of say on in ways because I think it's it's really fun to just deep dive into something Mm -hmm. that you're super interested in and learn a lot about it and you know, even though you grew up in an environment where soccer was a part of your life and you probably absorbed so much information about it, like just through existing, there's yeah. still so much to learn. And I will say, uh, I'm not a big sports person. The only sport that I do think is semi-interesting is mm-hmm. soccer. Genuinely. Nice. I, I just, basketball, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> football, like actual, like American football. I'm like, this is so long it's so boring like mm-hmm. what is this but like soccer there's like drama there's like the fans are like 
like they're Crazy. intense, yeah. but they're it's cool. And like my nieces all love soccer. One of my nieces plays Amazing. soccer. She's on like three different leagues. She she does not care about anything except for soccer. Yeah, like yeah. she oh, loves awesome. her injuries. Like she'll be like, "Look, I fucked up my knee," and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And she's like, "It's so cool," and I'm like, "Okay." Um, so yeah, so soccer is definitely something that I feel like people can get very into, and that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's and honestly, it's like a very international currency because it connects so many people and like so many different cultures, and you know everybody can speak this language, and it, you need very minimal equipment to play. So that's what kind of links everybody together. And I got to learn a lot about people and like meet a lot of like fantastic people around the world that also are doing like a lot of grassroots work and um, social impact work through the sport. Um, which I haven't had the chance to meet through fashion, for example. So uh, because personally, I'm very interested in like social impact and, you know, how this kind of stuff, well, and activism, I guess, but I guess social impact is a better word. Um, um, football has helped me like get to, you know, um, become more experienced in this kind of like discourse and meet people that are really leading like movements and changing things and trying to make the world a better a better place and so that's how I got close to it and of course like I also it helped me and I'll get closer to my dad and now it's like really funny because like I guess like here especially I've made a name for myself in this kind of space and so sometimes it's like I can't believe that now I have to ask you for things that you would normally ask me about football like tickets to a game or something like that's that that's so funny and, yeah, and so we always laugh about that. That's so cute, though. I'm like, I love that. I'm like, I've, I'm a big fan of all dads, all babas. So I'm like, that's, yeah. I love that. Um, honestly, Naomi, I'm like, this has been such an interesting conversation. I feel like I learned so much about you and very excited to start trying to incorporate your newsletter <laughs> into my morning routine. I'm like, you know, okay. what? maybe I'll try to nourish my mind with some thoughts that are not you know a five second tiktok video you know great i appreciate that <laughs> let me know what you think about it after that about about it after that yeah yeah oh i will again like i said i have no shortage of thoughts i have i have so many so many opinions um but where can people follow you online where can people read your newsletter anything that you want to plug yeah yeah, so uh, people can follow me on my Instagram um, at Naomi Accardi. So that's N-A-O-M-I-A-H-C-C-A-R-D-I. Um, I have a horrible spelling. Um, my Twitter is not as exciting nowadays, but that's at Naomi um, underscore Accardi. And lastly, you can subscribe to my newsletter at um, naomiaccardi.substack.com. So uh, that's it. And I'll have everything linked in the episode description. As always, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American Psycho, where you will see a lovely photo of Naomi. And you can follow me on Instagram, where currently I'm just, you know, being the most Palestinian person who's ever existed on this earth. And as always, guys, don't forget to floss your teeth, wear your sunscreen, don't be a fucking asshole. And I will talk to you next Sunday. <laughs>